What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. And it has been a long journey, but we are at the end of the Cloverfield anthology trilogy, whatever you want to call it, um, to talk about the Cloverfield paradox, which the release, the production itself might be more interesting than the movie depending on how you feel about it. Uh, released in 2018, out of the absolute blue, um, this is another movie that, much like 10 Cloverfield Lane, was never supposed to be part of the Cloverfield universe. It was titled God Particle, and was actually, f- for the the movie God Particle, this was done in 2012. <laughs> that's how long this movie had been around because that production company had shut down. And then JJ Abrams and Paramount uh, pictures came through and, and bought this. And, you know, Rob, if we talked about in 10 Cloverfield lane, where you knew when the scenes were cut in to make that part of the Cloverfield universe or, you know, somewhat, you know, connected through like a long distance cousin or something. Uh, yeah, this movie, you absolutely know where the hell this diverged from the path of being God particle and scenes were reshot and uploaded in to connect to, uh, you know, the Cloverfield series. Now I have some thoughts on that. I think some of it's actually interesting, but you know, 22% on Rotten Tomatoes to this day. Uh, this is not very well received at all. You just got done, basically, with this. Um, what are your initial thoughts? I mean, I know we kind of talked about it at the end of 10 Cloverfield Lane, but, you know, did you do any more, you know, research into the production stuff that we talked about, or did you just say, I'm just, I'm going to watch this because maybe I'll be jaded or i'll look for things and maybe that will change how i want to view this movie so i yeah i i try to stay as spoiler free as i possibly can with everything um because i want to try to always experience things the way that the artist um you know the the artists who create the work i want to be able to experience it the way they want so um you know when people talk about the correct way to watch star wars the correct right. way to watch star wars is the order they were released not chronological order the order they were released because that's how it's intended that's how everybody saw it that's that's the world that it was built on so that's that's usually how I I try. Um, saw some of what you were talking about, where basically they're like, "Hey, you know what we did that one time where we took a movie that had nothing to do with Cloverfield, and then we made it <laughs> fit somehow into Cloverfield. What if we did it again?" And I think this is more successful in terms of that particular effort than than perhaps 10 cloverfield lane uh, you know the middle film of this trilogy and it's it feels can i just say it feels weird to call this series a trilogy because it is only really related in the loosest possible sense um they're like the genres don't even work Match. together you know and that's i think that's interesting i I'm not going to say I think it's unsuccessful because I actually think that what they did with this um, kind of makes some of the things that are a little out of place with the second one fitting with the first one kind of like you can explain it away. They they explain it and and I go, okay, I'll accept your explanation. Um, It's a bit weird, but okay. And, and really like when I, when I turned this movie off earlier tonight, I sort of just kind of want JJ Abrams to buy like a bunch of spec scripts and be like, Hey, this is great. Now somehow add Cloverfield to it. Like just right. uh, now go back and add it. Like I would love for him to pick up something that's, you know, maybe intended to be another spin off of say Shrek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be like, all right, now make it make sense with Cloverfield. Like somebody writes a spy thriller and is like, all right, now fit Cloverfield in it. You know, like, I, I would just kind of love to see that as an experiment. I think that would be a lot of fun, you know, or even take films that are already out. Like, okay, how about, the princess bride, but make it Cloverfield. Right. Exactly. That can be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, no, and I think, you know, maybe you don't like the explanation, but I, I you know, I 100% agree with you. You know, this movie really acts as a a prequel sequel in the same thing with how they explain how these movies are somewhat connected. Uh, and we'll we'll get into that as, as we continue to talk about this movie, um, which I do think, like, you know, when you watch this one, you're like, okay, I can see why. You can at least say, I see why this is, you know, why 10 Cloverfield Lane is related to and even J.J. Abrams calls it like a relative to Cloverfield. Like he doesn't say like, oh, they're it's a true sequel. He's always said like it's they're related. Like you know, um, but but this movie does at least explain why these three movies would somewhat exist under this umbrella. You know, does it always work? And is sometimes it's just like you said, you just kind of have to go, okay, that's your explanation, and I'll accept it. Like. I didn't write the movie. You did. So here we go. Um, and, and part of that begins with what this movie is is all about. And it's, you know, kind of like almost any one of how these movies start out. Earth is, you know, we're going to run out of energy on Earth. We got to find a way to get a renewable energy substance uh, because Earth is dying. Grown. And, yep. And, you know, that is where they are and you know why didn't they just say that they were going up into space to try to find unobtainium like uh, yeah ugh. exactly and, oh, come on so derivative you know their goal is to on the cloverfield station they are going to ignite the particle accelerator which will give them their their un you know it, well their renewable energy that's what they are trying to do. And I do think that there's actually some some interesting things here. And what is feared, and there's a news article about this, which, Rob, did you happen to catch the connection to 10 Cloverfield Lane with that news article where they talk about you are in danger of opening up the Cloverfield Paradox. Monsters from other worlds. Alternate universes. Did you catch the two characters and why they're in, they're important? I I don't think I caught what you're referring to, but I think what... You know, one of the things that I had kind of pointed out with our review of 10 Cloverfield Lane is like, okay, how is this monster attack happening? And nobody knew that there was a monster attack also in New York when clearly it's in a more modern time frame. You know, it's it takes place in the time frame of when the movie was released, just like the original Cloverfield was. And you can just look at their cell phones and and understand that. Um, but the the conspiracy theorist was kind of talking about how it could happen across multiple times in past and future, which I thought like, okay, well, that's how they're going to explain that. I'm fine with it. I mean, it's sci-fi. I mean, there's so many things you just have to like, just kind of go, okay, it's sci-fi. It works fine. Yeah. it and And that's exactly what it is, is this is, you know, this movie, what they're saying is, has ripped open alternate dimensions and, Cloverfield happens in its own dimension. 10 Cloverfield Lane happens in its own dimension. And the Cloverfield Paradox happens in its own dimension. Which, again, some people do not like that explanation, but I understand it. But the character, um, you know, that's talking about the conspiracy theory, that is actually, and if, if you go into these there's some really good videos on youtube about the connections of all three of these movies but that character is related and has the same last name as john goodman's character oh wow okay and the news reporter is the same actress who was banging her head on the door Missed that. In 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, Okay. 
So kind of interesting. There was also one thing that they talked about where it didn't make it in. Um, at one point after the the particle accelerator fired, there was going to be a shot of uh, oh god, how am I forgetting his character's name from Ten Cloverfield Lane already? Uh, uh, John- Howard. Yes, Howard. There yeah. was going to be a shot of his truck floating in space because of the particle accelerator as like another loose connection that things were coming from alternate realities into this one. Um, But I thought that was a, you know, a fun little Easter egg or whatever you want to, you know, call it that these characters were mentioned. uh, These names and things like that were mentioned in, in 10 Cloverfield lane. So I do think that this movie, even though it's not always the greatest, I do think some of the things that they did to try and connect this, they do work in a sense. So, yeah, and and I will agree that largely they work. And really, you have to ask yourself as a consumer of entertainment, when you think about science fiction, like how far are you willing to just go with something? Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to things like, you know, I, I kind of hate triteness in sci-fi when everything is always about the space time continuum like i never need to hear those words ever again in sci-fi like it's so overused get it out um right but if if the concept of the multiverse is something you're willing to entertain which by the way um a lot of leading scientists actually believe that that is a real thing i mean essentially in an ever-expanding universe uh matt you and i have already had this conversation Mm mm-hmm like a bunch of times um, in multiple universes. And the person who's listening to this uh, right now and is kind of, you know, maybe s- sitting with a, a slightly agape jaw, go, like trying to process this and going, wow, like that person's jaw has already been open multiple times. And whatever that person does next as they're listening to these words that I've already said multiple times across huge amounts of space like there's a lot of really really smart people who believe that this is 100 percent happening um so it's it's not that far-fetched it's really not um yeah no (laughs) so you kind of have to ask yourself like how far into this are you willing to go because if you're somebody who just sort of shuts down and isn't interested and those ideas are considering them or it's a little too far-fetched for you far-fetched for you you're probably not going to enjoy this But if you're willing to just kind of go with it, you know, you mentioned the Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, You know, the movie's not particularly well regarded. I'm going to say that for my first watch through, I really enjoyed it. I had fun with it. I felt like there was a lot of tension and there was a lot of interesting things that I was willing to just say, okay, movie, I'm coming with you. Let's go to crazy town. Let's go. And uh, I had fun with it. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing is, during my first watch through, I went, eh, okay. And part of the reason is something that we discussed briefly as as we wrapped up 10 Cloverfield Lane. Rob, you and I rated Cloverfield five buckets on a review scale. I consider it my top monster movie of all time. I, I cannot probably adequately express the actual love and affection I have for Cloverfield. When this movie was marketed during the Super Bowl, and we talked about that, out of, you know, the rumors started during the day of the Super Bowl on February 4th that this was going to be announced and this was going to drop on Netflix right after the game. And it happened the trailer comes out when this trailer was released the the title everything you know it was called cloverfield paradox but it said 10 years ago something came to earth tonight we find out why it really marketed it as a direct sequel to cloverfield not an anthology kind of their loosely bridged together movie they marketed this in that trailer that dropped this was a sequel to cloverfield and i think that rubbed people the wrong way at first and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way after i got done with the movie and said 
okay, it wasn't bad, but I thought this was a direct sequel. And it wasn't until I went back and watched it that I said, okay, I know what this is. Knowing that, what does this movie do? Does it have tension? Does it have some good performances? Does it have interesting set pieces? Granted, they're on a space station, but I think the fact that you get that scene um, where, you know, the guy explodes because he's got all of the worms inside him when they find the doppelganger and all of like the ship's wiring is through oh, that her, was gross you know like, through her was... through her body the, you know Volkov's eyeball when he's looking in the mirror um you know just some of the other strange events with the hand and everything like that i thought those when you break this movie down and you just look at this movie I agree with you. I think there's some very interesting things here. And I did like the cast of this. I I mean, the only one that I really just, I had no interested, like interest in was Ava's husband. I, I did not particularly like him. Um, I, I wasn't at all interested when they shot back to earth, um, to show him, which was really to be like, okay, like, you kind of see the silhouette of something in the background when the, you know, when he's looking at those destroyed buildings, um, like, okay, what's going like, okay, what's going on here on earth. But I didn't find him interesting. The other parts of the crew, I actually enjoyed a lot. I I really thought they were interesting and I thought they had some really good performances. And, you know, when the particle particle accelerator worked, And that crew was like, we did it. Like, as corny as it may be and as, you know, overused as it's, you know, has been in movies that we need to find an energy source and the Earth is dying. Like, I did feel, like, good for the crew. Like, I kind of celebrated with them that, like, oh, my God, this worked. Like, I thought their emotions rang true. And then when they're like, Earth is not there, it was like, I kind of felt that sense of dread with them. Like, Ooh, what is going on? What's going to happen? And as things start to break down, I did think, like, who's going to make it? Who's not? What's the angle here? How does this end? And I thought they did a great job bringing me along on that journey. I really describe this movie as being once it gets going. And I would say that it really starts to get going around the moment that you're describing. I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, Mm -hmm. whoa, what's happening? Um, they do enough and, and you kind of expect like, okay, you've got an international crew. They're planting the seeds that there are problems between nations on earth. You're, you're, you know, and they make it, you know, you definitely notice like, okay, they're all wearing the flag of the nation they represent. And it's clearly multinational. Mm -hmm. Um, they're all speaking different languages to one another. And, um, you know, you can even see the space agency they represent, like they have that patch too. So you can kind of predict that there's going to be some infighting and some distrust at some point. And yet it felt earned. It felt appropriate. It felt like everything worked. And there's a lot of, okay, is this real? Is this not real? What's going on? You know, as you continue to go through it, um, I was I was hooked. I was like, I was into it. I was just anxiously awaiting what was going to happen next. Um, th- there's so much of this, I think, that, that does work. And I think you bring up a good point about the the parts that happened back on Earth. It, I'm not as interested in that because what's happening in space is so much more compelling to me that what's happening on Earth... It feels like it drags the movie down a little bit. It slows it down just a bit. There's kind of that that weird part where he rescues this young girl, Molly. And, yep. I, you know, it didn't really seem to go anywhere. It didn't really seem to do much. Like, it, I, I don't know. I mean, unless they were just trying to set up that there's some attacks. But I felt like that was kind of wasted. Yeah, it's, you know, it, that is where it kind of is like, hey, don't forget, there's some sort of extra threat here um and that's where it's you know where cloverfield was this is a monster movie i almost don't need this to be a monster movie at all to enjoy it yeah and we'll certainly talk about 
you know, the ending here, um, but I still, you know, I still have other things that before we get to that, but I don't need this to be a monster movie because what's happening is interesting enough. And I do, again, like when you actually stop and think about how they do things, like when they figure out where the gyroscope is and, you know, they locate earth and things like that, and they're starting to repair and kind of get things. I do think that these explanations and like, you know, they're stating that the station was destroyed and it fell to earth two days ago. You connect to that scene, you know, that I told you about that you were like, Oh, I never caught that where at the end of Cloverfield, when Robin Beth at the end, they're showing that recording when they're at Coney Island and that satellite falls into the ocean, you can kind of connect it like, okay, their space, that space station is what caused that universe's Cloverfield to be awoken. So like you said, there might be a slight difference, but according to some people, we've had this conversation. Yeah. You know, you know, there's enough alternate like dimensions and universes and other versions of this. And, and in some of them, Probably honestly, actually, probably none of them. I I refuse to believe there's an alternate version of me that likes the Last Jedi. I re- I just believe to my core that every version of Rob out there knows that that movie is garbage. You if that there might be the w- one thing. If there was one of you in an alternate universe that liked the Last Jedi, then I'm convinced that there's another one of you that's acting like Jet Li in the movie The One and going out and. Stomping out those robs. <laughs> I, I need to start practicing my Bagua and my Shingi because, uh, yeah, I need to find that one. If he's out there, I got to take him down just for his own good. Right, exactly. I put him down like a rabid dog. He's just. You don't need he, to get stronger. You don't need nope. to get fast. You're, it's just, it's principle at this point. Like, <laughs> I, I need to find him. Like, I just, for his own good and the safety of those around him, he needs taken out. Yeah. And. How good is the one, by the way? What a crap movie I, it is, but it's so good. Oh, it's so, it's it, on a filmmaking level, it is crap, but it's just so fun. I, I yeah. just love it. I just, I don't know. Again, sometimes <laughs> I just need, you know, Jet Li beating up Jet Li and then beating up other people. Like, yeah, there's something about it. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that movie. I, um, <laughs> so, I can't defend it. Like, no. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> no. So if you've never seen that and you're like, I wonder what it is, just go look up the one with Jet Li, throw it on. You probably won't be disappointed. It's truly a throw some popcorn or a snack in your mouth while you're watching it and just relax. Yeah. Um, but, you know, getting back to Cloverfield Paradox, you know, <laughs> as as they're doing these things and they're determining, again, just the different versions of these people um, you know, our main character, Ava, where her family's still alive, where Schmidt is a spy, Hamilton, you know, like uh, all of these th- things, they just, they're interesting. I-, I think they're really interesting. And the funny thing is, is I think they do these actors again. And, you know, I mean, that's what they do. But they do give you enough, and I think their performances are good, where they do feel like a different character. Like, they do feel like they are from the two different universes. And there's it, it's subtleties. It's not this big, grand difference, but it's the subtleties that I think are what make it interesting and make it believable, because they're not trying to just go... It's so far to the other direction that it's like, well, you're just laying it on too thick. Yeah. It, it, their core of who they are is the same, but just their experiences are different. And I, I want to, you know, you kind of mentioned a little bit the, the scene where we, we <clears throat> get to see Hamilton back on earth with her kids and seeing the films universe of Hamilton, see her children still alive um, that was a really powerful scene. Um, yeah. I mean, I was getting a little bit of uh, Scarlet Witch vibes from Multiverse of Madness a bit, but mm-hmm. this film came out before that. Um, and it was the way they handled it. This, the, was so much more effective to me, I think, um, and for, in a different way. Um, yeah, it was, 
it was a really unique scene that you cannot ever recreate in another movie. Like there's not another way you can ever do that again. It's, it's really only this movie, the way that they set things up that you can pull off a scene like that. And I found that to be incredibly effective. Yeah. I really found that to be effective too. in her, her choice to go back to her universe and the message she sends to her alternate universe self. Yeah. I found that, I found that effective, but you're so right because there's so many times when that can go so wrong. Yep. And it's so corny and the emotion that they're going for is so far off the mark that you're just like, Nope. Like, but it was, I thought it was well done. I thought, again, the way that these these characters get to their storyline conclusion, again, was very natural to me. That's one of the things that I appreciate of this movie. I did think there was a solid groundwork for why these characters made the choices that they did, and it felt very in line with the way that the characters were represented on screen. I never felt, you know how you get this in movies where just the huge tonal or psychological shift of a character, which is like, that does not just happen like that. Like nobody, you know, nobody just naturally does that. I thought that the way that these characters made the decisions that they did was represented very well through the movie so it, again, it made me believe what was going on and it made me root for or against some of the things that were happening. The one exception to that, and I, and I largely agree with you, but when Jensen um, is kind of woken up in the medical bay and Hamilton is speaking to her, Jensen's dialogue seems more for the explanation to the audience as opposed to Jensen trying to figure out for herself what's going on because she seems to kind of figure it out a little bit faster than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that would be the one thing that I thought, okay, she should be a lot more confused and trying to figure this out too. Like as opposed to just dictating to the character and thereby dictating to the audience what's going on. Yeah, no, that, that is, I, I will totally agree. That is a, a pretty good misstep in what I thought was actually a pretty well-paced-out, natural-flowing movie, where, yeah, it does feel more like it's for the audience, um, based on what we saw from her. Um, so I, I do agree with that. I, I, I think that's a really well end. point. Yes. Yeah, her flip <laughs> at the end was good. Yeah. Oh, that was good. I did like that. Um, I, I, I liked that a lot. And, you know, you, you sit there... And they get the and again, they get the accelerator working again, they get back to their universe, and I felt a sense of happiness for them. Um I could have done without Michael's little you know, scream, tell them not to come back, tell them not to come back, because again, yeah, what I are they gonna do? How are they gonna survive? Yeah, like I just don't like him. I like I understand why he's saying that based on what he's seen that the audience doesn't really know what's happening on that universe. Um, But his scenes, like you still could have just had the ending that you have without having to have that extra little piece in there. Um, I, I realistically, you could have cut out all of his scenes and still had the ending that you, that you had just about, you you, I mean, really trying to get, her trying to get back to earth to get back. I mean, you, she just wants to live. Like, I don't know that you even need her thinking she's getting back to her husband. I think you, I, it didn't really occur to me when I watched it, but you know, the more you discuss it, it's hard to miss that. It doesn't add much, right? It, It really doesn't. And, you know, you think about this being kind of the thing that sets the first two films in motion. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this. If you were to recommend an order of watching this to somebody, um, would it would this make more sense to watch this movie first and then Cloverfield, then Ten Cloverfield Lane, 
or would you watch it in sequence? Like what, what's the right way to watch this series? See, I actually feel like this, I know this is supposed to be a, like, I know this is a prequel sequel, but I almost feel like in a way it could be one, three, two for watching this Mm. because you can watch the first one and you're like, okay, there's a, a monster that was for some reason dormant on the bottom of an ocean bed. It gets yeah, because that's pretty much what you assume when you watch it. Like you don't assume interdimensional travel right. or you know t- time shifts or universe swaps or anything. Yeah, it it gets woken up by a falling satellite. You can watch this movie and then go, oh, there's alternate dimensions. The satellite falling from the sky is based off of one of the universes inside the Cloverfield paradox falling two days before they get their universe's Cloverfield station up and running again. And then you can kind of explain the second one, like why there's different versions of these monsters or of, you know, these extraterrestrials in 10 Cloverfield lane. I, I think you could kind of watch it in one, three and two order, even though this is a prequel to the first one. Yeah. I almost wonder and honestly, like I would say, watch the first one and watch it twice because it's good. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder if you would enjoy it less if you watch this first. Like, I don't think it really matters, but I think some of and you and you kind of touched on it briefly um, when we first started that some of the. I guess hate or the dislike for this movie might just become might just be coming from the fact that the first one is so well liked by you and I included that when you put something in this universe and you try to pitch it as a as a true sequel to the original and it's not is that where you know okay we didn't get what we wanted so now mm-hmm. we feel a little betrayed and now we feel like we're viewing this film through that lens um, right. I had no expectations going into it. I, I knew it took place in space. I, I knew about that much. Um, I, you know, kind of stayed away from from the film uh, prior to watching it, and I didn't feel that way at all. You know, I kind of knew it was only loosely attached, um, and I took it for what it is and enjoyed it. I, I wonder if that's the way to do it. Yeah, because I do give you know J.J. Abrams credit because it's, it's not an easy task. You know, like. You know, we sit here and and we review these things, and yeah, have we absolutely trashed some movies, and have we absolutely praised movies, have we been in the middle, have we, you know, yeah. But I also acknowledge the fact that, you know, this is not an easy job. You know, I'm not saying that what I'm saying 100% makes a movie better, I would know what to do, uh... You know, because hindsight's always twenty twenty. I'm sure there. You know, you hear all the time from these filmmakers where, you know, if, geez, I I would go back and do this, or you know, in the Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams says he regrets having Leia hug Ray after Han dies. It should have been Chewbacca. Like he reg- he regrets that scene. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. You can always go back and say I should have done this. I should have done that. In the moment when you're trying to do what you think is best for the film, you know, or what the, you know, what you think is going to, you know, resonate with the audience, it doesn't always work. But I do commend Abrams for finding a way to take a movie that was so far out of the scope and spectrum of Cloverfield and finding a way to, again, you don't have to like what the explanation is. But it's not like it makes no sense at all. It's not like you completely pulled that out of your ass. Yeah. And I think that's part of what makes sci-fi compelling um, is it has to it has to be modern magic in some mm-hmm. way. It, it's it's a little bit of swords and sorcery, but with a with a technological basis for it. Um, but it also has to feel at least a little bit grounded in what's possible. Right. Um, tr- really good sci-fi takes what we're capable of now and spins it 
to the 80, 84 to the 75th power version of it. And what's always funny is if you look at what was in sci-fi in the 70s, let's say, even the 80s, let's let's just even look at Star Wars. You know, Matt, one of the things we've talked about is how Star Wars forever will always be stuck with their version of what they thought technology would look like when it was invented in the 70s. Like, that's why the computers still look like Atari level graphics when they're using right. their targeting systems in Star Wars and yet they have holograms and they have all of these other things they have hyperspeed travel and all this other stuff in well it's not that they have holograms it's the fact that they can't get it without a static connection somehow but they can achieve yeah. uh, you know hyper like you said space travel but they they can't get a hologram that doesn't crackle like <laughs> exactly you know and it's amazing um what what you know, we thought the future would look like and the future is nothing a lot of times like what we thought it would look like. Um, and, and, you know, those things are kind of funny. I mean, think back to the the flip phone version of the tricorders that they used in Star Trek and, and show them a, a, a modern iPhone now. <laughs> you right. Know, like if you would have gone back and shown that to Gene Roddenberg, like way back in the day, he would have lost his mind. He would have been like, that's there's no way. Um, so it's sci-fi went, like I said, when it, when it's most effective, it has to feel at least a little bit grounded in our reality. And that's, and that's when you get really good sci-fi is it's imaginative. It's a little bit magical, but it feels plausible. And in some future, it feels like it could be plausible. Mm -hmm. You, you know what? You want any proof that maybe alternate realities exist and people know about, like people know about this. Look no farther than The Simpsons. <laughs> Just, there's no way. <laughs> you know, yeah, there, there, there's no way. So I, I actually think, am I right about this? Is there a Disney Plus channel for The Simpsons that just The Simpsons predict the future and it's just all episodes? I, I, I do believe that's, that. Yeah, I do believe that's on one of like the timeline bars where it's yeah, just like. Yeah, I think like, that's one of the ones you can pick. You know, Fine. Ten times is a lucky guess. Thirty different things. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know, good Lord. That guy should be play like, if those are educated guesses, that guy should be playing the lottery every week. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can we get a Simpsons boost on FanDuel? Right. Seriously. Like, good God. Um, But. Speaking of the end of the movie, uh. The the big reveal, uh, our 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 boy Clovey is back, but he he ran in with some bad people. Uh, they convinced him that steroids were good. He got on the juice, and he's a big son of a bitch at the end of this movie. Because um, that ending scene that's that's not the same version of the Cloverfield monster that we saw in Cloverfield. That is that is Cloverfield. On every single growth hormone imaginable, because yeah, he's on he's, uh, KGH. He's on uh, Kaiju growth hormone. <laughs> he is big, um, and I, I want to get your feeling on it because, well, it was an in, it was interesting to see that monster again. I, I love the sound design for him, that roar, um, and it was just kind of cool to see him. It was almost kind of bittersweet. Uh, what are your feelings? Like, because it, it's almost like I said earlier, I didn't need this to be a monster movie. Like, I actually kind of would have been okay with the ending somehow just being her recording that message to her alternate self and realizing that they're going to be able to come back home. Like, I, I don't know. Again, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and I, I'm not saying how you would have ended the movie any other way, but it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's just supposed to be like, well, what did this, like, why is this monster so much bigger? Because, I mean, for God's sakes, he's in the upper He's above the clouds. Yeah, he's above the clouds. And the um, first monster wasn't even bigger than most of the buildings. Right. So I'm kind of just like, okay, well... Jeez, how how is anybody alive on that universe with him being that damn big? Um, yeah, I mean he's the size of like Connecticut, <laughs> like legitimately. Um, so in, in a way, I I love seeing the monster again for a brief second, but 
when I, when we say a brief second, he's on screen for if it's if it's ten seconds. That's that a lot. Is, yeah, that that's given it the full credit. Yeah, I kind of wonder. So what I what I think I would have liked to have seen better, and I and I think I'm with you that I didn't necessarily need to see the monster. I could have heard the monster and known the monster was there. Like, and mm-hmm. I think we kind of already know the monster or monsters are there based on what we get from uh, Ava's husband. Um, I I kind of what I think I would have liked better if you're going to show him. Um, the the capsule is plunging through the atmosphere. Okay, we get re-entry. We get it going through the cloud cover. Maybe we get some some radio static. And then the next thing is they break through the clouds, and then they see it. And then, mm-hmm. boom, movie goes black. You you get it for, you know, uh, a three-quarters of a second. And then the movie goes black. That I think I would have liked better. Um, but it was kind of, I mean, okay, so they, 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 they had it there. Okay, eh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, maybe even we get because you know, if for me, I know what that to me, I've already drawn my own conclusion what that satellite coming down means because of the ending of Cloverfield. To me, that indicates this is the catalyst for the first movie. Okay, cool. Maybe we get something else. Maybe we finally get a true sequel to Cloverfield, which Abrams has said they are working on. Um, you know, like you said, they come through the clouds and you see the monster. What if they come through the clouds, they crash into that, you know, they, they crash into the, the ocean. What if we just see the monster dormant underwater and we see it like they crash into the water and the monster opens its eye and that's the ending of the movie or we just see its body. Um, I'll tell you what I would have liked is they land on Earth they wash up on a beach. They see a face of the Statue of Liberty. Plot twist, it's Charlton Heston's face. Boom. Remake. <laughs> Roll credits. Um, that's my pitch. Um, and if you don't get that reference, you need to see the original Planet of the Apes film. Like the original, original one. Um, so it, I, I would love to see a true sequel to the first Cloverfield but I think I only want to see it if he buys another spec script and then changes the names of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only way I want to see it at this point. Yeah. So, you know, with, I'm going to ask to me, is this more of an enjoyable experience as a Cloverfield movie for you than 10 Cloverfield lane? Or just is it, is this movie more enjoyable than Ten Cloverfield Lane for you? Uh, so yes to both. Okay, I'm going to say as a Cloverfield movie, yes. The first one, it's the inciting action, um, mm-hmm. but it's 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 more of a psychological thriller, I think. Right. Uh, and this had this film has elements of that too. But do I enjoy it more than Ten Cloverfield Lane? Oh yeah, I I enjoy this a lot more. I could, I could see myself rewatching this before the second one. And you know, this is one of those movies. It it doesn't happen quite often. If you've listened to our reviews, usually, um, there there hasn't been a lot of movies that we have talked about where you know I have said, hmm, what was I doing originally? There there's been a couple. There's the Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. But there's, you know, I mean, geez, we've we've reviewed a lot of movies. This is one where watching this again now, not only do I like it more than I did any other time that I've seen it, it also did jump ten Cloverfield Lane for me. Uh, hmm. This this had never been to me better than 10 Cloverfield lane and, and watching this again, this has, this is 100% jump for me. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised and quite frankly, a little like shocked at how much I sat there and said, yeah, I really enjoy this movie. And again, I never hated it, but I always, kind of share the sentiment of a lot of people like yeah this is the weakest one um 
and I am definitely not in that boat anymore. Um, it's interesting how things can change over time, particularly when you look at the genre of comedy, the things mm-hmm. that were okay to laugh at in the nineties, let's say, I, I think friends gets a lot of discussion around this because there's a lot of things on that show. And, and I was never a, a person who watched that show. It just wasn't something that I was into uh, more power to you if you like it. Um, but there's a lot of things that people have like said, if you go back and watch that, like, it's a little cringy and you really can't do some of that humor today. And, and yeah, I think it can't. just has to, it just has to do with where the lines are and, and, and what was acceptable to make fun of at one point is just no longer acceptable now in light of just where society is. And, mm-hmm. and you can, you can cry, you know, whatever you want about if that good or bad, but it's just what it is. I mean, if you look at what Shakespeare was making jokes about, a lot of his puns don't even make sense because the language doesn't mean the same thing that right. it does now. You literally have to get translation. So this is not a new phenomenon necessarily. This is just this is just what it is. Um, but it's interesting that a film that's fairly recent. What did you say? Twenty eighteen is when this came out. Yeah. Um, when you get a chance to go back and rewatch it, sometimes just it, being in a different mood, being in a different light, being at a different place in your life, even just a few years later. Actually, 2018 was four years ago. Now I get this point. Like, yeah, it seems like it wasn't that long ago. You know, we were just talking before we went on air. Like, how's this year almost over? Like, what happened right. to this year? Um, you know, it's, it's just amazing how those things happen all the time. But uh, yeah, I think sometimes you can see a movie and you can be a little tired. You can just be in a piss poor mood. Um you know, you could just not be in the mood for that movie uh, and, and somebody dragged you along to it and it affects your, your view of it. And um, sometimes you just have to watch it with fresh eyes and, and you can get that new perspective. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what this movie got on my most recent rewatch. So we're, well, I should ask you, I don't have any, any final thoughts. Um, I have one question. Um, okay. so they 3d print the gun. Okay. I get that. That makes sense. Where do they get the ammo? Hmm. I know. I could never figure that out. Like all of a sudden they just have ammo for this now. Um, that's not how gun powder and, uh, and primers work. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not really how casings work, but I mean, that's, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I think that's kind of a, a little bit, um, that might be just a little bit nitpicky on my part. Um, they, they the fell through the portal the... of the other dimension. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's how literally you can explain anything with this movie if, you, if you're kind of picky. Um, I would also like to point out that the whole bit when his uh, hand is like having a mind of its own mm-hmm. and um, he says, we'll try to control it. And he says, I can't. How can you tell? Because I'm giving you the finger right now. That's a really funny bit in a very creepy, very weird, very surreal moment. I would just want to call that out. Um I, I actually kinda, like that guy a lot. I, I, I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, he was in I, Bridesmaids. Mundy. Yeah. And he was in Bridesmaids as the, as the cop. And I really liked him in Bridesmaids. I, I actually find him quite funny. Yes. Uh, Chris O'Dowd is, is the yep. actor's name. And, uh, I, I liked his character and I really enjoyed him in this movie because I think there's times this gets a little, this gets really creepy and he doesn't, it's not Thor four level of just throwing a joke in when it's supposed to be serious, but it's the right amount of just somebody to break the tension where it's needed. Um, the airlock bit at the end where Hamilton shoots the screen and it sucks uh, Jensen through it. Um, it's a little derivative. We've seen that in Aliens. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. remember which Aliens movie. It's one of the bad ones. Um, and that's actually not how the physics of that works, by the way. Uh, just for anybody who's curious, that's that actually wouldn't work that way. Uh, minor complaint, but again, I'll forgive it because it's an alternate dimension. Yeah, um, you know, what one like one final thought that I do have on this, and this is just something that we talked about. But you know, if you if you dig in to like critical reception of this, um, there there's one quote from deadline Hollywood. And and I said this, um, you know, like, Oh, I thought this was going to be, but then going back and watching it again, it is. So Ray, Ray Ramos said, 
The trailer gives the impression the movie would reveal the origin of the monster that appeared in the 2008 movie and was hinted that it was a follow-up, but it barely does that. And instead, it stalls the franchise, which should have died almost a decade ago. It actually hmm. does reveal, like, not the true origin, because, like, I don't know, who the hell wants to hear, like... I don't know. Like, do I yes, need I to give you the GPS coordinates of where that right. thing came from? Like, what do you mean the origin? Do I need to see his mother and father doing it? Like, I like, <laughs> what do you mean the origin of the monster? Like, I, I don't, I don't get what he means by that, but it does actually give you how Cloverfield happened. Why that monster was awakened. It's this satellite crash that woke this monster and caused the destruction. So it does do that. And I'll tell you what's interesting to me, at least is thinking about, you know, the first movie, which we liked a lot. Um, and thinking about, okay, so now we do know a little bit more about where that came from. That could make you enjoy that movie less because, you know, sometimes you just don't necessarily need to see how the sausage is made. Mm -hmm. And that could make you enjoy the movie more because it adds additional context or additional, just something to it that, that makes you just get more enjoyment out of, out of knowing that, that background. Um, I'll tell you what I think is kind of interesting is now, okay. So now that I have the answer to it, it actually has no effect on my general enjoyment of the first movie. Uh, does it change anything for you? No, not at all. I mean, that's weird. Is does that seem like? Doesn't it seem like it should? You should either enjoy it more or enjoy it less as a result. It really does. It, it's it is a rare occurrence. It is odd. I mean, it's it's kind of like it's you'd expect it to almost be like the midichlorians, right? Like, oh right. God, please, I don't want to know that. Like, no, just let it be magical. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not. It's like okay, I. I, it's it yeah. changes nothing to me, and yeah, I, think, I just like, find that kind of odd. Because again, I think it's so subtle that it doesn't force you to do anything. It, it, yeah. it you know what I mean? Like it doesn't go. Geez, I re like I don't know. I I would liken it maybe to like I didn't really need to know how Han got his last name as Solo. <laughs> or yeah or why it is that billy d williams called him han and han at the same time right like i i don't need to know those things and the fact that you gave me them are like ugh. why did you think i cared like right. why like why did you think anybody would care about this but with this it's like well i actually don't have to care like all yeah. you did was kind of reaffirm what i thought and didn't make me go oh, well, well, that's not what I thought it would be, or that's not how I thought this happened. Like, it's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, here you go. Like, so I, I think maybe that's part of it. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not trying to make you... In a way, this movie's not trying to make you think while also making you think. That's, that's probably a really poorly worded explanation. <laughs> and but, yet somehow makes sense. Yeah, so... But let's... Let's talk about what we think this actually rates for us. So I'm going to let you go first in the popcorn time review. Where does this land on the bucket scale? So I, I feel like it's four and a half buckets for me. And what's what's I feel like it shouldn't be that high, for, but I can't defend why I don't think it should be that high. Um, I enjoy most of this. I I submit that perhaps on a rewatch I would drop it to a four, but I was really hooked by the tension of this movie and the mystery and making sense. And, and I think the practical effects, I think the moments that were supposed to be creepy were creepy. Mm -hmm. The moments that... Um, I, I would say that when this film tried to do something, it executed it well. And right. So I'm just going to say four and a half buckets and and uh, and be okay with it, I guess. Yeah, and so you know, in the show notes, listeners know this. We we post that review right there. 
Uh, so what I'm about to say, only my popcorn time review is actually going to be in the show notes. Now, I actually give this four and a half buckets as well. Now, with that being said, this, I kind of, like, I was thinking about this in two different ways. As a Cloverfield, like, this makes me actually rank 10 Cloverfield Lane lower. Because looking back how I enjoy these as a Cloverfield series, I can't give 10 Cloverfield Lane a 4 and feel like Cloverfield Paradox is a half bucket higher because I feel like now the gap is bigger in the Cloverfield trilogy, like in the Cloverfield Mm. trilogy in terms of how these connect. So like this being a four and a half makes me drop 10 Cloverfield lane down to a three, three and a half in terms of the individual, like in terms of the movie connected in this universe. Interesting. But, and, and what's funny is like, that almost doesn't sound like that should make sense, but it does make sense. Yeah. I, I just, for. And yet in a parallel universe, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't, right. It wouldn't make sense. <laughs> I, I, in, a, in a parallel universe, my severed arm would be smacking me in the face right now. But <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in another parallel universe, you would inhabit your own dead corpse and come back to do the show like uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse right. of Madness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, this was. Uh, out out of these three movies, I was more interested to hear your thoughts on this one because I, I kind of had, I I really had a thought on how I thought you would think about Cloverfield. I didn't know how you would think about 10 Cloverfield lane. I thought, okay, I don't think he'll hate it, but he'll be like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, but I was really curious to like, this was my most like, I have no clue where he would fall on the scale <laughs> for this thing. Like it's, you know, I'm either going to be shocked like one way or another, like he's going to be like, this is really good. And it's almost up there. And I mean, it is in terms of like your rating um, compared to the first one, or I was like, he's going to be like, honestly, this is a one. Like, this is one of the ones where I'm like, I really like the fact that, you know, you had John Wick on the schedule, but this is one that I could have gone with. Like I could have gone without. Um, so I, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun talking about this movie because yeah, the, these have been an interesting fascination of mine, just trick strictly because of, well, not strictly, but largely in part due to the crazy behind the scenes stuff that happened to make these part of what we know is, well, loosely, the Cloverfield trilogy. And I think what's interesting there is the first film is generally well-received, well-liked. You and I both praised it. Um, Is there any chance at all that we would have ever covered a movie called The Cellar? Is there any chance at all we would have ever covered a Netflix film just called The God Particle? Is it likely that, that those films would be remembered or discussed in any meaningful way greater um, than, than they are, or even close to the level they are without having just that Cloverfield word attached to it. No, because I think in the case of the God particle, this movie never would have even seen the light of day because the only reason it stayed afloat and made it to Netflix, Netflix in the first place is because JJ Abrams picked it up that studio was shut down and dead. I don't think you're finding anybody that says, oh yeah, let us pay $50 million. That's what Netflix paid to get the rights to this. Nobody's doing that for, I don't think you're seeing that for a movie called The God Particle. You're not seeing that. This movie never would have seen the light of day. And I still think, we just talked about it, not even having Cloverfield attached, this could have been a good movie. But how would nobody would have ever known? It, yeah, it, it would have just been. I mean, look, there's a lot of original Netflix films that are out there that are really compelling and really interesting. Um, that, you know, it's it's really amazing to think that at one time Netflix was just a DVD by mail company. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I think about that. Like that is 
the the way that Netflix has disrupted the way we consume entertainment. There's almost been nothing that you can think of. It's it's almost as big as when TV took over from radio in terms right. of the disruption to the entertainment medium uh, of what they have caused. I mean, the 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 term cord cutting. Nobody would have ever thought of giving up cable and satellite. Nobody mm-hmm. would have ever thought of that. Are you crazy? No, I have 117 channels. I've got 32 sports channels. Like nobody would have ever thought of that and now there's 73 streaming services out there. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, geez, by the end of it, we'll be at 127 somehow. Like, Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I saw something really funny one time where they, somebody said that uh, a company should go out and offer a package where that you pay one fee and you get all the streaming services in one place and basically just reinvent cable. Yeah, seriously. Like, <laughs> who who wouldn't actually probably do that? Like, it's who basically wouldn't... just like having cable. But at that point, yeah. it's just like we're right back where we started. Just to say, you know what? Everything's under one umbrella. I have one login. I have, like, done. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. So that's going to conclude the the Cloverfield Paradox. And, boy, coming up on the end of the year, working on a recap episode, uh, you know, starting to get ideas for where 2023 is going to take the show some of the things that we'll be talking about, because boy, 2023, there's there's a lot coming out. There's whew, and and some pretty big things that could be pretty special coming out in 2023. Um, so it'll be an interesting uh, interesting year for movies and entertainment in general uh, between streaming services and theater releases, but. You know, before we get to 2023, Rob, how can listeners look at what we've done in 2022? And if they want to backtrack that far, when the show first came out. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, by the way, if you if you enjoy the show, thank you. Uh, thank you for downloading it. Thank you for subscribing. Um, you know, you can go all the way back to the beginning of the archives of Matt Goes to the Movies when the show was literally just Matt talking into his speakerphone of, of his cell, <laughs> you know, talking about the Star Wars series when everything was shut down, you know, two and a half years ago at this point. When and, I was a wee uh, lad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. What a, what a long way this, this fun little program has come. Um, you know, has international listeners now, which is amazing. Um, and, and by the way, shout out to the international listeners. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for downloading and subscribing and interacting with the show. Uh, If you would like to interact with the show, you can do so by checking out the official Facebook page and the Facebook fan group. Uh, You can head over there and just like the show, like the page, and be able to interact with the show in a variety of different ways. You can also find the show on on, uh, uh, Twitter. It's on TikTok. It's on Instagram. Uh, It's also on... uh, you know, Matt, what else is it on right now? There's, there's one, there's a couple other things. Yeah, you think you have? Uh, I, I, I YouTube. It's on Reddit. It's on Reddit. It's Reddit, on YouTube. Right. Yeah. Um, you can you find know, the show there. Video reviews. So yeah, there's a lot of places. There's a couple of video reviews out there. You can see the fun one we put together for the first Resident Evil film. Uh, but yeah, go back and and check out some of those. There's uh, something for everybody. at Matt goes to the movies. So make sure you check those out because especially the ones from 2022 because we're going to be recapping the year that was. Uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, you can email the show at mgttmpodcast at gmail.com and uh, send us your thoughts. If you enjoy the Cloverfield trilogy, if you think the first one is obviously the best of the, of the series, but if you like the second and third ones better than, than we do, you know, give us a shout. Tell us why. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, before we kind of sign off, I just want to wish all the listeners a very happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is you choose to celebrate. Uh, Next time that I get a chance to talk to you, it'll be on the other side of those holidays. So uh, I just want to wish a very uh, warm holiday uh, greeting to all the Matt Goes to the Movies uh, listeners. And uh, thank you for listening. Hope you had a fantastic year. And uh, really looking forward to the the episode that's going to come out between Christmas and New Year. And uh, looking forward to everything that will be coming out in 2023, both in the world of entertainment and uh, what's going to be happening at the MGTTM show. Yeah, listeners, it's it's never lost on us um, how 
cool and humbling it is that there are people that want to listen to this show, that actively listen to this show, and like Rob said, um, of an international variety. That's really cool. Again, I, I started this talking into my cell phone because um, I was <laughs> the bored. The production values have gone up just a little bit since then. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was bored and wanted to fill my time. Um, so I look forward to bringing more, you know, more content and greatly appreciate it, you know, Rob did mention Resident Evil. We're we're working on our appointments for lobotomies to finish that series because um, that's probably what we're going to need to be able to get through five of them. Uh, oh, God. But um, I will pay for it, Rob. Don't worry. Since I'm doing this to you, it's the least I can do. But honestly, listeners, thank you so much. Appreciate you sticking with us. We will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.